0: ministered to the Lord and fasted the Holy Ghost said, separate me Barnabas and Saul for the work whereunto I have called them that's Acts 13:2 Welcome ladies and gentlemen to another episode of Thinking Well I'm Kyle. I'm Tom Hey Tom
1: Hey Kyle how's it going man It's good man good um, We were just kind of talking about it but yeah Fridays Always I look forward to it day. every
0: week yeah. it's kind of like the the cherry on top of a blessed week, no doubt. Well, this is the replacement episode, if you will, episode eight. Uh, We thank you for being patient, listeners. We had a little bit of technical difficulties a couple weeks ago, but this is that promised episode. We wanted to uh, fix our issues and get it right, but we should be good going forward. And um, this episode is going to be titled The, The MK18 Dilemma. And, you know, going through this, you know, Tom is definitely more of an expert on this topic. And so, you know, I'll let him kind of describe it more, but, um, I'm glad that we kind of had our initial conversations about it. I mean, months ago, you know, in our men's, uh, you know, weekly meeting Bible study we do every Monday, but to be honest, I'll I'll be honest. I, I didn't know this was an issue. I didn't really know much about what really goes into missions, uh, in detail. So this is, something I've become very passionate about, and I know Tom has been for for forever. But yeah. Tom, what is the MK18 dilemma?
1: So the MK18 dilemma, wow, I can, I can speak today. Um, it's really an issue where you've got a missionary family that's on the field. When any one of their children get close to that 18-year-old mark, what typically happens, and don't get me wrong, there are exceptions, but what typically happens is it's time for this young adult what what most would consider by age adult to go back to the states if they're on a, if this missionary is on a foreign field and they kind of get dropped off after a transition period that can be anywhere from a week to 6 months i've seen it done both ways i've seen it done a year where the parents stay for a year and get their child settled and get everything set up but there's no real predetermined amount of time. It's just whatever that family's comfortable with. And then the family returns to the mission field. They leave this 18 year old kid and folks, let's be honest, still kids in the care of a home church, a relative, a a home pastor and their family. And these kids kind of get started in their adult life. And, no one really talks about like what they go through, what it's like. I think it's, it's foreign to some people what it is. And I, if, for me, I think why I started like coining the phrase MK18 dilemma is because I don't think we are handling it right. I think we can handle it better. And the things that they go through, and I've seen it countless times, I've gone through it myself, we're just not familiar with. And we're not set up as churches to deal with. And I, I think we can, if we start talking about it, then we can deal with it and pos- potentially make it a better transition period for these kids that are coming back that just, they need help. They want to feel at home. Okay. So MK
0: meaning missionary kids. Yes. 18 being the age where they're returning. That's correct. Got it. Yeah. Okay. Right. No, I I would agree with you. I think that, and I I can, like I mentioned earlier, I can speak from personal experience where this dilemma, this issue that happens much after debutation and getting them signed up and they're, you know, it's just later in most cases. um, You don't really think about it as your everyday church member, right? For me, it was, Hey, you know, these missionaries would come, they would present on whatever foreign mission field they have you know, have a, a slideshow presentation. They'd answer questions. You know, we would decide to support them or not. But as an everyday church member, they're kind. After that, they're kind of out of sight, out of mind. We hear updates, yeah. we, you know, weekly or monthly or whatever, right? And that's great. But we support them financially, but they're not really top of mind, and we don't really think of them as everyday people like you and you and I are. Yeah. So when they have these issues with, we you know, with children are coming back. A lot of times. As I understand, it's and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but it has to do with their visas expiring. Yep. So they have to come back, and for a lot of them, this is not home. That's right. right. So a lot of them are like, hey, they're forced back to the States, which now for a lot of us, this is home, but a lot of them are kind of pushed back here. And, you know, they might have a kind of a, a trial period to figure it out. And, you know, the church or a family, you know, a home might open themselves up to them and, and support them for a little bit. But I think, as you alluded to, I think the solution is more lies on the church.
1: Yeah, uh, I, I, w- I would agree with that. And let me, I, I do when I talk about this, I do like to kind of give a disclaimer, like I don't blame my parents or churches or anything that happened in my life personally. I don't, I don't blame anybody. It, th- we weren't prepared for it. Nobody prepares you correctly for it. Um, which is kind of why I started having conversations about this years ago is, is how we can better prepare for it. But no, I, you're absolutely right. So I came back two weeks before my 18th birthday. I grew up in Germany from the time I was seven until that point in time. So, so about 10 years. Yeah. So, I mean, the formidable years that developed my character, my way of thinking, uh, I mean, the things that defined me as a person and Your a personality, yeah. like those those were the years that I was there. And you're right. Like you, you like you said, like you get home and everybody has this concept that, oh, the, they're home. They're finally home. Well, for, for me, and you talked to other missionary kids, like, it's not home. The mission field that we were on, that was home. We're now in a, to what is us, a foreign country. We don't get the concepts of um, American vernacular, you know, and a pig's eye. Well, what, what the heck does that mean? <laughs> I don't know what that means. I can think one of the times that I came back and like people were tight rolling their pants. Like, what is that? Like, we didn't do that in Germany. I didn't understand that, and it was like, well, you're not cool if you don't tight roll your pants. Well, I guess I won't be cool. But then three months later, here I am tight rolling my pants because I want to fit in, right? Right, right. Um, but it's it's things like that but like. But then by the time I got back to the states three years later, that wasn't a thing anymore. So I adopted that cultural thing when I was in the States on furlough, but then dropped it as soon as I got back to Germany because then you had to conform to whatever was the cultural thing, the the style there. Well, because as missionary kids, you just got to kind of blend in, right? So you learn how to do that at a very young age and you learn to get really good at it. Um, but yeah, when I got back, it wasn't a thing anymore. So then I'm like... Okay, now I got to learn all the new things and this isn't my home. And everybody, the worst thing you can ask them is, well, it must feel great to be home. It does not feel great. It's, it's not home. My parents' home, their parents' home, but it's, it's not home to us.
0: Well, that's what I was going to say, you know, to your parents. And if, and, you know, and, and good on you, if you have multi-generations of missionaries and their parents you'll probably feel that same way. They're probably relieved to come home, especially after like a long career as a missionary and you come home and you're like, you know, you're done. Yeah. Right. You get home, you retire, you relax. But I can definitely understand, you know, as a a child, you know, even up to 18 or, or more, especially if you've lived those definitive years where you've grown into a more mature person, physically, most of the time mentally, but you, you know, those are, those are your formative years. You've, you have grown your identity of who you want to present yourself to the world first in Germany. And now you're just kind of thrown back into the United States. What was it like for you personally? I mean, did you have a, you know, a family in the church, like you mentioned that opening their home to you? Did you, you know, did did the church help you at all kind of get on your feet? Like how did it work for you?
1: So like our pastor, um, my, my my older brother had been in the States for a while and he moved up. He'd been in the States for like two years and he moved up to our home church when I got home. Um, I say that now because America is home to me now, right? But I had to develop that vernacular. Right. Uh, simple things like I didn't even stand for the national anthem when I first got back. Like, that's not my flag. You want to stand there and salute the German flag and sing Einigkeit and Rest and Freiheit, <laughs> you know, which, which are all German words. They just mean you know, like solidarity, right. And freedom, right. Like you want to sing that, like I knew that anthem by heart. Um, but so our, 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 our church family, the pastor there took us in. Um, and again, I, I want to reiterate, like, I don't blame my pastor for what happened, but I was, I was rebelling cause I was in a situation I didn't understand. Um, so because of that, I wasn't abiding by these kind of imposed rules for the household that also weren't clearly defined because he, him and his family weren't properly prepared for like what that looked like. Um, and so he, I, one day I got home and he wound up sitting down with me and saying, Tom, I mean, I, I love you. I I can't get on board with this direction that you're going down. And at this time, like when I took this job, I made a commitment to the Lord that I wouldn't let this type of unrest into my house. And I feel like by having you here, I have. And we're going to need you to find somewhere else to live. I've been back for like three months. I didn't. I didn't know how to live on my own. I didn't know how to get an apartment. I didn't know how to do this. I didn't. I didn't know how to set up utilities. I'd never ran a checkbook in my life. Like, and one of the reasons why I came back from from Germany was because in Germany, with the, even if I would would have been able to acquire a visa, which I would have had to get as you said on my own at eighteen, I couldn't make more than two hundred and fifty dollars a month. Well, you you can't live like that. I mean, you can live with your parents like that, but you can never live on your own like that. Maybe. And this was a little while ago, too. So right. I mean, we're talking 1994. No. 250 goes Ni- a yeah. little bit longer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A little bit it, longer it, than it, it is it now. Was, but it was 1996. It was December of 1996 that it. I came still, back. Still, though. 250 yeah, sti- sti- still still, It was a while ago. Not enough. Yeah. Not enough to make it work. Um, and so I had, like, I I moved in with a buddy of mine and his mom that both went to the same church. And then, lo and behold, they weren't set up to deal with that. So I wound up actually getting my own apartment after being back in the States for like six to eight months. I can't remember exactly what it was, but they just weren't equipped to deal with that. And for the longest time, like I harbored that bitterness in my heart and held it against them. And it took me kind of talking about these things and working through them to realize that like they weren't equipped. They didn't know. And unfortunately, that's the state of a lot of our churches. These families are like, oh, yeah, we want to help out. We'll take your kids in. We'll, we'll, we'll make sure that they're taken care of. And all of a sudden, they've got this partial adult in their house that doesn't understand what's going on in their life. And especially, I mean, I had the advantage of growing up in kind of a Western civilization culture. But when you think about these kids that are growing up on like mission fields like Africa and India and Southeast Asia, yeah, all all these kind of more third world places. Imagine the culture shock that they go through. Right. And you hear about these things and you hear about, oh, man, this, this missionary kid had this tragic thing happen to them. And well, maybe... And again, I'm not blaming churches because people do make mistakes on their own, right? You can have the most nurturing church and these, these churches have prepared for it and still something happens because people make their own decisions. But I'm going to tell you, I have yet to find a church that is properly equipped with people in it that are properly equipped to deal with the type of issues that these kids deal with coming back.
0: Well, I think the biggest, biggest thing you have to look at, the right lens, if you will, you have to look at this through is... If, if we're going to sit here and, you know, kind of look inward at our churches, you know, and if you're listening, if you're part of a Baptist church, know that one of the reasons why hopefully you guys are called Baptists is there is no hierarchy. If you're an independent Baptist church, the way that you're supposed to operate is if there's a problem, you fix it. Yeah. Right? We don't, we don't break off into another denomination, right? There's already too much of that happening. If you're an independent Baptist church, the way you guys should conduct is look inward. If there is a problem that doesn't isn't cohesive with scripture, fix it. Yeah. And I think that and through grace, right? And that might have been a little harsh, but like think about it this way, like, right? if the goal is to identify problems and fix the problem, you have to identify it first. Yeah. And I think Acts thirteen is a perfect way to get into that and say, Hey, the way that we do missions does this align with Acts 13. Well, And if it doesn't, all I'm saying is take a look at it. Take yeah. a look at it and say, hey, does my church operate this way? The way that Christ subscribed to how the church is supposed to handle missions. And, you know, I think it's one of those things where you have to, as a church, as a church member, you have to look inwardly and say... Yeah, I don't. I, you know, I don't really have an answer to this. I've never once thought about what happens to to kids coming off the missionary field, and is you know, do am I supposed to open up my house to them, or does our church take on that burden? I I don't know. And I, I think to your point, I think a lot of churches don't know either. Yeah, they haven't really thought about it. So unfortunately, these kids are kind of just cro- caught in the crossfire, and no one's really handling it the way they should. But I will say this, and Tom said it, it's not condemning anybody. I think there are churches out there, majority, I would I would like to say the majority of churches probably do everything they can and they try their best. But I think that there's a fundamental under, misunderstanding of what the Bible says about it Yeah. and what we're doing as churches and especially Baptist
1: churches. Well, and I mean, the bottom line is we can do better. Even if we are doing it well, we could probably still do better. Absolutely. And I think a, a lot of times what people don't understand is they look at like youth that have come up in their church and they're like, well, they're they're not they're not struggling that much. Well, that's that's fantastic. I would have uh, the, you talk to a missionary kid that's an adult now. They would have loved to have the benefit of a youth group when they were younger, to to have this this haven, this place three times a week that you could come and be around teenagers who, you know, maybe they're a little rowdy and they're not a hundred percent mature in the faith, but at least, you know, that they're getting the same upbringing as you they're held to the same standard as you are. Missionary kids don't get that benefit um, unless the missionary family like grows their own youth group, which let's be it happens. honest, they do. It happens. Um, you don't have a youth group. You're constantly trying to reach your peers And there's, there's that in there where, and we should be trying to reach our peers as teenagers in the States. But if you don't have the support of Christian peers, you're kind of out there on a limb by yourself and you're trying to win people who you have this great opposition. And I'm not saying there's like beating up persecution necessarily, but there is an acceptance form of persecution where it's like, well, if you're going to talk to me about that, like, we just won't be friends. Right. So do you be lonely on the mission field and have no friends or do you kind of have this halfway thing where, yeah, you're going to hang out with these people. And when you get the opportunity and God lends you the opportunity you can. And I mean, what a great statement for our youth, like get out there because you have this support group, get out there and share the gospel with people. Right. Um, I mean, missionary kids are teaching Sunday school classes at 12 years old, and if they can do it, we can definitely just go share the gospel with somebody.
0: Oh, absolutely. And I would imagine, and again, correct me if I'm wrong, but as a missionary kid, I mean, you are you are kind of set out to reach people your age at a very young age. You have to kind of get caught up with, hey, you know, this is why we're here. This is the gospel. This is how I present it. And you are more or less kind of, You know, dictated to go do that, you kind of have your own mission to reach people that are, you know, are your age. So I think a lot of, I would say this, I think a lot of them coming back to the States, I think a lot of them from what I've seen are, are, are treated like baby Christians. Yeah. Where you, you you know, they're, they're just children coming, coming off the mission field. They just been kind of just following their parents and they're just kind of there for the ride where I don't think that's, I don't think that's true. In a lot of cases, I think a lot of cases they come back and I'll say it. I I think they're probably more equipped to cheat, to teach people about Christ than your
1: children probably. Yeah. Or even you. No, I, I think there's a lot of truth to that because we were, I wouldn't say it was dictated to us that we need to do it, but there was like this unspoken expectation. Like you're on the mission field, yeah, you're not the missionary, but you're part of the missionary family. So, I mean, this is kind of your ministry too, and you're you're kind of plunged into this. And while it's not like, you know, your dad's sitting there grilling you every night, how many people did you witness to today, so I can report it back to the church? Witnessing, quote, you know what I mean? Like that. That it does. It didn't quite feel like that, but I mean, I do remember getting questions like. I see you're hanging out with this person a lot. Have you gotten a chance to witness to him yet? Like, can I just have a friend? For for, oh, for, a, for a couple pressure. of weeks? Can I can yeah. I just have a friend? It's a lot of pressure um, for a
0: nine, ten, you know, sure. especially I mean in your teens you, you grew up a little bit, but you imagine a eight year old mm-hmm. being asked that and I mean, nowhere else, no other kind of situation that you that you would find an eight year old there. It's so different.
1: And if we're going to expect that from our missionary kids, which I think is fine when it's presented right, we should, as churches, we should be expecting that from our own kids. Like, there's not a different standard, Um but we, we get there and I mean, you know, we, we're, we're debating the Catholic faith and the Baptist faith with people twice our age and because we've been equipped to do that because, you know, we've sat down and listened to our dad do it with somebody else or our mom do it with somebody else. So these missionary kids, I, I agree, Kyle, are coming back and they're like, I could probably teach this class, this this college and career class as well as the person that's teaching it now, because the person that's teaching it now, they're getting up on Sunday morning and grabbing the book and spending 15 minutes looking through it while all their kids are screaming at them. And shame on us for not being better prepared. And I'll, I'll be the first to admit that when I was teaching, sometimes that that would be what I did, you know, 15 minutes to read through the and get there. Um, but, I mean, you got these missionary kids coming back who are ready for meat, and we're still teaching, you know, the milk in our, in our college and career classes.
0: Absolutely, you know, I, I think it's, uh, if you really stop to think about it, right, what, what a more perfect example, definitely a comparison, but an example from our youth now, where you have, especially here in the States, people are scared to talk to each other. There's way more of a culture of just a popularity, I don't wanna be an outcast. Um, and I think a lot of people missionary kids, especially in that in that environment, aren't given that choice, which is good, right? But there's a dichotomy there where I think that, yes, as a family unit that is in some foreign place to share the gospel, the saving gospel of Jesus Christ, that should be your objective. Obviously, that's why you're there. But as a child, and I'm talking 18 or younger, I think there has to be definitely discussion about it like hey you know understand your part in this ministry as well but it is not the same as the parents that's absolutely right. it is completely different now the reason there's a dichotomy is you can't be too harsh on your kids in that in that manner but your kids will be able to reach people kids families that you'll never have a a way in right right and that's true here as well yeah but I think there's a dichotomy there where you have to be careful um, and how you presented the conversations that you have as missionaries. Um, but, you know, shame on us, right? Our kids, there's you know we we're we're not holding on those same
1: standards. Shame on us, yeah, and it 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 does get difficult. Because we're held to that standard and then we we get back to the States and people are still, they kind of know and they're still kind of holding us to that standard on the other side of that too. Like, well, you're a missionary kid. You should be doing better than all these other kids.
0: You can't make any mistakes. And
1: then you do make a mistake. And I've even had it where like missionary kids have made a mistake and that like their parents on the mission field have gotten a phone call from like church members. Or worse, dropped uh, support. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've seen that happen. I I can speak from personal experience that when I got back to the States, I did rebel because of just not being able to deal with the situation. And I felt like I had been betrayed by like the entire church because they didn't know how to deal with me. And that's not their fault. Um, so I kind of went through like this rebellious thing that in all honesty, probably went well into my early thirties, but, um, they got phone calls. And churches literally dropped their support because my parents, who were thousands of miles away, across an ocean, were being held responsible for decisions that I was making as an adult. Folks, we can't do that. Like it's not the, 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 it's not the missionary's job to monitor their kid in the United States and be responsible for them. Like it has nothing to do with how they brought us up. It has to do with the decisions that we're making on our own today. So get in those kids' lives and try to help them. Don't try to be like the, tattletale to their parents the last thing their parents need to deal with is that kind of stuff because trust me they know they're still talking to their kids every right, week right
0: right well i don't think it's it's not fair to throw that on the parents and secondly it's that's another double standard mm-hmm. because if you're going to say hey you're back now and you're 18 and you're an adult okay but you know people make mistakes right. but at what age do you i mean if i make a mistake tom right is it on me or is it on my parents
1: if you're over 18, Kyle, that's your that's responsibility. On me, right? Yeah.
0: So you can't have it both ways. Yeah. oh that's, that, that's a contradiction. You can't have it both ways. You can't say you are an adult and, hey, I need you to move out, and you need to kind of go out on your own, and, you know, there's not really a support structure here, um, but you're back. You can't have that narrative and the same narrative as, oh, you're making mistakes, which we all do, I'm going to let your parents know. And you know what? Actually, because what your son's doing here in the States, we can't financially support you anymore because you have the same last name.
1: Yeah. Oh, you, you did such a horrible job of raising this person that you can't possibly be an effective missionary. Like that is not true, folks. That's, it's so That's dangerous. Horrible. If we no. start doing that, then what else are we going to hold the missionaries accountable for that they have no control over? We, we got to be really careful of that. Um, And I think this all goes into like the greater narrative of what we're trying to discuss from that Acts 13 passage, right? Maybe, and I hope we don't get like a ton of, actually, I do hope we get a ton of emails, like send us emails, please. Um, Maybe sending entire missionary families we're not going to dig into this we're going to save this this is the setup little teaser yeah maybe sending entire missionary families onto the mission field is not the right answer or what you see in Acts 13 right intent so folks this is it's it's part of a larger conversation that we kind of want to get into we will be spending the last Friday of every month for the next few months talking about not the not necessarily the MK18 dilemma, but all these little things about missionaries that we just kind of don't talk about. And our hope is, our prayer is, is that it just kind of gets us to think as Baptists and that at the end of it, we're going to kind of wrap it up with a, a little bit different idea. And Kyle and I have talked about this at length, um, this is, this, this MK-18 dilemma is really heavy on my heart. And I think that we, if we're going to continue to do missions this way, we need to take care of our missionary kids that are coming home better. Uh, Kyle and I have talked about just some different ideas and I know he has some thoughts on it too, but maybe we need to, Get more in the lives of our missionaries, stay more connected with them, so that when their kids come home, they're not strangers to us and we're not strangers to them. In today's day and age, we can FaceTime our missionaries, we can send emails to our missionaries, you can have your youth text the missionary kids wherever they're at. Uh, you can have them use WhatsApp, you can have them use iMessage. There's so many things that we can stay in contact with them so that when they come back to the States at 18, They're not a stranger to our kids.
0: Right. They already have a friend group.
1: They've forged friendships. And on top of that, our youth groups have been supporting them on the field. And we can, as, as youth in our churches, we can really support the missionary by supporting the missionary children while they're on the mission field. I think that's a great opportunity for us. And it's like each church, even if you don't have a missionary directly sent from your church, if you had your youth group adopt some missionary kids to just be in contact with all the time and text them and be in their lives like then they're going to get exposed to that like american vernacular that they may not be familiar with and they'll they'll learn like little jokes and things that it took me and other missionary kids that I know years and years to get used to um or just the support absolutely from you know christian
0: sisters and brothers right mm-hmm. he, I mean, I I can only imagine how lonely it is for a missionary kid out in some, some place where, you know, although it's home, you're going out and you, you're exposed to a lot of things that a lot of American kids, American kids aren't. And to have that moral support, to have that support as Christians, like-minded, like-faith people, um, it can't hurt. And I, I think it can only prove to be beneficial, because, you know, when kids get lonely, when when something's going on in a kid's life and they feel like they don't have anybody, a lot of kids, they don't go to their parents. Yeah. And that's fine. But when you have somebody else to go to, maybe that's here and understands and it says, hey, like, we're here for you. If, if you need, you know, who can relate more on what's going on in their life because they're the same age. They have the same similar situations going on. You just start growing that. You're growing that relationship. And then hopefully... This is one of the ideas that we talked about. Hopefully, you know, the church gets behind that, you know, that relationship building as well. Mm -hmm. And when they come back, there's already protocol put in place. We have plans for it, Um, there's funds put aside for it. And then going forward, you know, it's just part of how we conduct church. Yeah. And then there, you know, and then we eliminate the people, you know, who just haven't, haven't been exposed to this problem at all. And that's where you find the missteps, where people just don't know what to do because they just never been directly taught. like you should never have been a ta- ta- talking point ever. Yeah.
1: Well, I think one of the ways that we fail to support our missionaries right now, right? We do a really good job of supporting them in prayer. We do a really good job of supporting them monetarily. I think where we're failing to support them right now is by supporting their children when they send them home because you're still supporting the missionary to where they don't have to think about, is my kid Okay. Uh, is 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 my kid gonna have the support that they need? And maybe maybe it takes some a church standing a church standing up and saying, you know what, we're gonna be a haven for missionary kids when they come home. We've got a family in our church. They've got a big house. We can probably do. You know, four or five missionary kids at a time, and it probably won't ever be that. It'll probably be one or two at a time, kind of rotating through the house. But maybe it takes a church setting up a ministry like that, where they have just a family in the church that'll that'll take that on.
0: Right, who's willing to pour, pour into these kids sure. and help them get on their feet. But instead of uh, hey, here's a deadline, it's more of hey, what do you need to be successful? We understand. We understand how hard this is for you. And we're here because we love you. And, you know, we're both Christians and we want to see you thrive and grow into a productive member of society. Mm -hmm. So we're going to do everything as a church. But, you know, obviously a a specific home is going to open their door. Right. But as a home and then greater as a church, we're going to surround these people, these kids, and we're going to help them through every step of the way. Yeah.
1: It would have been so cool if like, a whole church would have come around me and my brothers and other families when they came back and be like, Man, those those clothes are actually really cool. Like, is that what everybody's wearing in Germany? And want to know about your life, and right. want to know about like what you thought about like different cultural and societal things because of the because of just the lens that you had from growing up in a different country. But I mean, so many times instead it gets pounded into these kids: you are American, you are American, you are American, you are American. Conform, conform, conform. That's that's great, and I am a hundred percent full blooded. American man, I don't have a problem with that. Um, but man, if I felt like sometimes everybody was doing everything they could to like push me away from being an American with the way they were trying to drive it home, um, but if a church were to come around those kids and just support them and kind of, man, that's really cool. What, What do you think about this? Like in America right now, we got this going on. Is that similar to what you had where you were at, or how much different is it? And just to be interested, um, that 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 would be life changing we'd I think we'd start seeing missionary kids struggle less, stumble less, and grow more if they were able to find that kind of support in this foreign country that they've returned to
0: absolutely and then back to what you said earlier, it only helps the mom and dad, the main missionaries yes. And I can put myself there, right? Having kids go back, your biggest priority is obviously going out and saving lost people and, and spreading the gospel. But if you have children daily, you're thinking about yeah. what they're doing. Are they safe? Are they okay? Are they taken care of back in the States? Because I think you understand that, hey, you know, we came from America, but, you know, you can probably put yourself there. Hey, my kids grew up here. And I wonder how much of that, how, how many relationships are strained from hey, kids coming back, the church offers what they can, but they're not prepared. Mm -hmm. It's not necessarily their fault. They just, they're not prepared. They're not ready. And then the missionary proper, the the mom and dad, are kind of left there. They're thousands of miles away. There's not much they can do. And I think in some instances, that's where you see some missionary kids backslide. Mm -hmm. Because like you said, there is no encompassing support. I think it's, I think it's an easy solution, but as churches, we need to step up and be accountable and say, hey, this is, this is what the Bible says about this. And if we're going to be Christians, if we're going to support and send missionaries out to fulfill the Great Commission, that goes beyond monetary support, that goes beyond prayers, that goes beyond that. It goes, hey, through all apps, you know, aspects of this. And we'll talk about, we'll talk about some more stuff at the end of yeah. At the end of you know coming off the missionary field too in that same regard.
1: Probably. Well, and we'll see. We'll actually talk about like how that makes the parents feel and stuff like that. Because I've yeah. been able to talk to like my mom and dad about stuff like that and other missionary parents that I've sat down with after the fact as an adult, and they've asked me like, "Hey, this is our plan. Do you think that this is good?" And just even being asked that is is kind of insane to me. But they know. Um, well,
0: yeah, that's that's going to be part of this series. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, like Tom said, every last Friday of the month, we'll tackle another uh, another issue or dilemma, if you will. And uh, really, really the whole point is to get people thinking about it, maybe expose church members, people to some of these dilemmas that maybe they've just never heard about before. And I definitely fell into that category just yeah. a few months ago. I, I just never pushed my mind, you know, across that, Hey, they're they're in a foreign field, and we give them money. And okay, see ya. Yeah. No, it's way more than that. And I think it's like I said before, it's prescribed in Scripture. There's a way to handle this. There's there's a godly way to handle this, and there's in ways that we
1: could improve, no doubt. And I'll I, I guess I'll my wrap for this would be if you're a missionary kid and you're listening to this, uh, I, I'd love to get an email from you. Reach I'd out. I'd love I'd love to hear. I mean don't get me wrong I know there's some horror stories out there but maybe you didn't have this kind of experience and that's fantastic I would love to know like how your church did support you well um, and maybe you're a missionary kids who who kind of relates to what uh, to what we've talked about on this episode I'd love to hear from you as well and how the Lord brought you through that um, so we just drop us a line um, and you can you can get a hold of us at podcast at lwb at lakeworthbaptist.org. I'm sorry. That would be podcast at lakeworthbaptist.org.
0: It's the abbreviation that we use just Um,
1: here all the time. So you can get us a hold of us there. You can look us up on social media under LWBC underscore publications. We're on Instagram and Facebook. Feel free to send us a message there, comment there. Um, Feel free to get a hold of us any way that you can if you've got something that you'd like to share with us. We'd love to hear from you.
0: Absolutely. We'd, We'd love to hear from you. And, uh, We'll wrap this one up, but we look forward to being with you guys again uh, next week. And uh, we'll just keep this thing going, Tom. Yeah. Okay. All, all, right. all right. Thanks, ladies and gentlemen. Have a great week.